little break from all this activism, we want to say hello to our BFF. Bestie freedom fighter. Abu Fatwa in Gaza. Salam alaikum. Alaikum assalam, and inshallah, Allah will kill you all infidels. Thank you so much for joining us. Love the headpiece, the all oppression chic, very drip. Mr. Fatwa, how are you? Are you safe? Oh yes, I'm safe. I'm in a tunnel under the Gaza hospital. Oh. Above me, I have Allah and two million civilians protecting me. Community is so important these days. <laughs> People, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's November 6th in the year 2023. We're live streaming as always on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Share, subscribe, tap that notification bell. Post game show for ya over at rubinreport.locals.com. Uh, before I address the cold open, I'm very excited because we have hired a new person starting today. Joey, don't worry, I'm only going to say your first name, but Joey is a new addition to the Rubin Report. He will be editing and doing other social media related things. And I mention this not only to welcome Joey to the team, uh, but also because, uh, well, he's a college dropout. That's right. I could have hired someone from Harvard. I could have hired a Hamasnik from uh, Stanford. But instead, I said, get me somebody with no formal education. For God's sakes, we're doing work around here. So, Joey, uh, welcome aboard. That cold open that we just showed you is from the Israeli version of Saturday Night Live. And I wanted to show you just that small portion. There's a much bigger version of it that's going on right now, uh, catching fire across the Internet. Uh, but I thought there was something really nice about the ability to laugh amidst tragedy, right? And as I think it was, was it uh, was it Billy Wilde said, uh, or no, it was Oscar Wilde who said comedy, I think, was tragedy plus time. Was it Oscar Wilde? I think it was Oscar Wilde. Comedy is tragedy plus time, right? And, and the story of the Jews is kind of that, right? Every Mel Brooks movie that you ever saw making fun of uh, Nazi Germany and the Holocaust and everything else, it's like tragedy, and then we better figure out a way to laugh at this thing because otherwise you could never go on with the pain. And I suppose in a time like this, when we're almost tomorrow, I guess will be one month to the day from these horrific barbaric medieval uh, attacks that Hamas uh, perpetrated upon these Israelis, um, the time part of that is starting to get shorter and shorter. And I think that that, ironically, is the thing that they hate most about those pesky Jews in Israel. They figure out a way to survive, and laughing is part of it, right? They've still got 200 hostages. There are 1,500 people dead. There are rockets being fired every day. And yet still they find a way to like fill those spaces of life that need to be filled when you're with goodness when you're going through something uh, horrible. So I wanted to uh, show that up top uh, and the show today. Uh, you know, a lot of people really enjoyed what we did on uh, on Friday, which is something I consistently try to do, which is show you guys it's not just about every day I could wake up and be like, these are the 20 horrible things that happen and oh my God, they're happening right now, but really give you like a long look at how these things happen, how our institutions have failed us. Again, whether they're media as you know, or educational, 
or corporate that everything has been infected with this woke ideology and it's leading to a class of immoral people with radical ideologies and a set of leaders who don't know which way is up and whether boys or girls and now a whole bunch of people if you saw the videos over the weekend all across Europe crazy protests everywhere often violent uh, and then what happened right here in the United States, in the capital of America, Washington DC, where thousands of Hamas protesters, and they are Hamas protesters, you do not have to think that they are not, you don't have to say that they are not, there is no one that shows up to these things and says Hamas is bad guys, I'm for the people of Gaza, but I'm against Hamas, right? They would be treated like the rest of us if they did. A bunch of Hamas protesters showed up to the White House, they were climbing the fence, they, they desecrated the place, they were paint, spray painting all over, jumping on, uh, on monuments and all, all sorts of other stuff. And I suspect that the elderly man pretending to be president ain't gonna do jack shit about it. Oh, I have a correction already. I like corrections, you guys know that. It was not Oscar Wilde who said that comedy is tragedy plus time. It was Steve Allen. Wow, Steve Allen, former host of The Tonight Show. I think he was the second ever. Was he the first host of The Tonight Show or the second? I'm really pushing you right now. I think he was the first. Steve Allen, Tonight Show. Was he the first host of The Tonight Show? Yes, he was the first host of The Tonight Show. Well, Steve Allen, you're no longer with us but I wanna give credit where credit is due. All right, we're gonna to get to all of that and more. Let me talk to you guys about my Patriot Supply real quick. Uh, guys, it's clear that the unthinkable is here. Man, this ad just... <laughs> With the recent media distractions, most folks never saw it coming, but some did. Their guts told them something was wrong and the headlines are proving them right. Our so-called trusted institutions tell you not to worry that everything's fine, but you guys know better. Self-reliance doesn't happen overnight. You have to start somewhere. Start with My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply, the country's largest preparedness company, is more than equipped to stock your shelves, ditch the canned vegetables and box pasta. Their best-selling three-month food kit provides delicious breakfasts and lunches and dinners that'll last up to 25 years. These meals offer 2,000 calories a day with a balance of protein and carbs to keep you fed and ready in case of an emergency. Just add water and heat, then eat. Start or strengthen your food supply with this free month food kit from My Patriot Supply. Visit preparewithrubin.com to get ready. Order now for fast and free shipping. Prepare with Rubin.com. Okay, so I want to start with a clip of Bill Maher. And I know when I start with these clips, some of you go, uh, that was an eye roll. You go, uh, another one of that liberal who doesn't get to the end of the road. Uh, but this one actually is not really about trying to convince Bill Maher of anything. This is Bill Maher getting something right uh, in the face of someone who I would say is a woke leftist who's gotten most of the things wrong lately, uh, COVID, gender, and a bunch more. Uh, Bill Maher had Neil deGrasse Tyson. And you guys know Neil deGrasse Tyson. He is, I suppose, a science communicator. Once what the great Carl Sagan was, Neil deGrasse Tyson is kind of a cheap version of that. And he's really gone woke. And to Bill's credit, although he still considers himself a lefty and he said he wants Gavin Newsom to run for president, which could, could we, do we have a barf bag here? I'll, I'll barf during the clip. Um, Bill does put up a fight against the woke. Uh, anyway, here they got into it. Uh, Bill hitting Neil deGrasse Tyson for placating to the woke instead of challenging it. And you will see how this is connected to then getting a whole bunch of intersectional zombies attacking the White House in honor of Hamas. Surely I, I, there's a portfolio of jokes that would still if, work on a college campus. Surely. 
I would hope not. From what maybe, maybe some college campuses, you, the ones you read about are fucking insane. You've given up on an entire kid, generation. And I have, you don't given, know how to make I have them given up on any place that doesn't even remotely attempt to believe in free speech and thinks that anything that, that they hear that they don't like, that they don't agree with, is violence. These people are fucking nuts, and you should be calling them out. Somebody like you, who has standing with kids, should be not joining them. I do when, them. when there's you a science taking, you're doing what, to it. You're yes. doing what parents do. You're What's taking that? the path of least resistance, I, and therefore hurting the kids and yourself. Parents ruin both their lives. They ruin their fucking spoiled kids' lives, and they ruin yeah. their own lives because the kids rule the roost. So that's what you're doing on a national level. I, I'm feeling more like on the porch. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Really? You know, I feel snapper. like we're in the barbershop. <laughs> I want to give Bill Maher a lot of credit here because, uh, you know, that show, Club Random, it's filmed at Bill's house. So Bill invites people, like when I do interviews in my house, which I do less of now. Uh, but back in the day when I was always inviting people to my house, there's, there's a weird thing that happens as an interviewer because you're welcoming someone into your home. So if you disagree with them or if they say something insane, it's like, well, at the most like extreme level, they know where you live and that could be problematic. But just at like a human respect level to like be fighting with someone in your home who you invited over while Bill, I think he was smoking a blunt there and the other one's got... Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson looks like he has like, you know, some whiskey or something. It's like to really get into it, um, you got to give credit where credit's due. So I will do that. I would also say uh, that Bill, of course, is completely right about the ideas that he's, he's basically saying to this guy, you, you're supposed to be someone who communicates science clearly. So why are you on the side of people who don't know the difference between boys and girls? Because if you, if we can't lay out that basic stuff, the things that we all know to be true, then when it gets to really complex stuff like geopolitics, let's say, then how's anyone going to know what is true? I thought it was a little bizarre when Neil deGrasse Tyson was like, oh, well, uh, this doesn't have anything to do with science. Like I'm pretty sure gender has something to do uh, with science. But deGrasse Tyson is really hung up on this nonsense around uh, boys and girls and sports. He simply, for some reason, wants a bunch of biological males to dunk over chicks or smash girls in the face when they're playing lacrosse or wrestle them to the ground and put their knee on their throat or whatever else. So Bill's going off on him. We're gonna show you one more clip from this. Bill's going off on him on that. And then he has a, he has, he's very smart. He's a lefty and a liberal, so he has, a, he has many ideas on how to deal with this gender stuff when it comes to sports. Match more interesting for the viewer. So if we can split wrestling into 10 categories, and that becomes the wrestling match. But all men against each other. Correct. So, <laughs> okay, so again, now I get sort that. Sort of key point. Okay. <laughs> okay. So all I'm saying is, what is it that makes the man the man? Is it the hormones? Okay. okay. Is it If it's the hormones and you decide to give yourself a different cocktail of hormones, I, I'm making this up, by Why the way. You, I'm not saying it should happen this way. It's a way to start thinking okay. about it. It would be... Maybe the track meets have... Hormone categories. And maybe giving yourself the wrong hormones is deleterious to your health. Would you not admit that? Do you think we can just safely do things like this? So you Would feel this way because you're concerned about, you're so deeply concerned about the health of the people who are trying to find their place on the well, gender spectrum? You care about their health so much that yeah, you don't want will, them to go through that? It's not something that keeps me up at night, but when right. the subject comes up, yeah. I care about them like I care about all people. Mm -hmm. So if there is you something- You do, by the way. You think about all people. Of course. Yeah, I'll give you that. Oh, okay. 
you're being you think sincere. about old people. No, I'm being sincere. Yeah, I do. Uh, yes. Yeah. Old school liberal. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I want all people to have, you know, make this very challenging world that we live in mm -hmm. better. So that's why there's honest debate about this issue. And we, why don't we cut it, it off? Keep the debate honest. Yeah. Why don't we cut it off now? Because, like, we're not going to solve this. Mm -hmm. We said our pieces. Mm -hmm. Nice job, Bill. And, and Bill, actually, at that moment, that's proving that the good liberal can still exist, right? Because when he's saying he cares about both people, like, the grass Tyson is trying to dismiss him. Like, you don't really care about these gender-confused people. You're just trying to, like, what, he, what he's in essence saying is you're just placating to those mean people on the right who don't want it about that. And it's like, no, Bill actually is saying, I do care about someone who might be young and confused about their gender or whatever else. But at the same time, that doesn't mean I have to throw out logic and reason so that we fill them full of hormones and have them crush people of the opposite sex when it comes to sports. Now, if you want an example of how dangerous this is, there are so many of them. And, and when we've talked about this, we've usually done it in the framework of swimming, right? Uh, because there's obviously, there's wrestling, there's basketball, there's every sport you can go across, but swimming seems to be one of the big ones that, that's, uh, that most people talk about. But I wanna show you this video, it's from the weekend. This is, this is really disturbing, so just get ready to be disturbed. This is a female uh, lacrosse game in Massachusetts and because of what they call the, quote, Equal Play Act, there is now a biological male, at least one biological male, playing against the girls. The video is about 20 seconds, and uh, watch what this dude does to this young girl. This is high school, right? This is high school. Watch this. All right, so you can hear the screams. Uh, that guy knocked out the teeth of the female player. Uh, he should not have been in that game. Everyone knows it. You, afterwards, we didn't show you the part where the, the people in the crowd start screaming, and, and everyone knows this is wrong. I want to show you, uh, we're going to show you not a close-up of what happened. That's, that's the guy who bashed and, and probably disfigured this girl, maybe for her life, or at the very least, uh, you know, caused thousands and thousands of dollars of, of damage and you know dental work and all the rest of it. So why am I talking about this? In light of everything that's going on in the world, right? And the protests and the war in the Middle East and everything else, why am I talking about this? Well, there's a broader theme. The people like Neil deGrasse Tyson who have confused so many people, right? We should have 10, we should have 10 different categories of high school sports and we can have chicks with dicks versus girls with vajayjays. All of these, they've confused everything and then a whole bunch of young people are just confused about absolutely everything. Because again, if you cannot figure out the basic stuff, there are differences between boys and girls and that two plus two does equal four. Well, then you are ripe. You are ripe to be confused by all of the really complex stuff, as Bill referenced. There's really complex stuff that we have to deal with. And of course, you're going to then get that stuff wrong if they have you confused about everything else. Hence why Queers for Palestine is very different than Palestine for Queers. We're going to get to all that. Let me talk to you guys about the wellness company real quick. Uh, guys, I want to introduce you to the wellness company and specifically their medical emergency kit. Awake doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough started the wellness company to build a parallel healthcare system 
and bring about change in a corrupt and failing system. Mm. Part of that change is helping you take control of your health and supporting you through whatever the next thing that gets thrown our way. Most people don't trust healthcare right now. In fact, over 40% of Americans say they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. That's where the wellness company's medical emergency kit comes in. Eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand uh, in times of need, natural disasters, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, et cetera. You can rest easy knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics to help keep you and your family safe. This kit includes a comprehensive guidebook so you never have to guess how much to take or when to take it. If you're like me and you wanna make sure your family's prepared for the unexpected, go to twc.health Ruben and use code Ruben to save 15% at checkout. That's twc.health Ruben, code Ruben for 15% off and now back to me. Okay, so how can we connect the sort of destruction of all that we know is real and true and provable and scientific, how can we connect the, that collapse to where we are politically and culturally right now? Well, there's a lot of ways to do it, and I think a lot, a, a lot of it should be aimed at our colleges. Why is the worst of the worst right now? The places where they are marching for genocide from the river to the sea, it is a call for genocide. The places where they are tearing down pictures of babies who are kidnapped. Why is it all bursting forth at our higher uh, places of quote higher education and specifically at our elite ones, at the elite schools, right? Like the schools like Harvard and Stanford. Well, there's uh, all sorts of reasons for that. Uh, so I wanna throw to a clip of uh, Michael Knowles who was on Megyn Kelly's show, uh, this is on Friday, right? He was on My Megyn Kelly's show on Friday talking about the woke hypocrisy of places like Harvard. I think he just nailed it perfectly. She was also asked about the insanity on college campuses um, and what we're seeing there. And suddenly, just like those college campus university presidents, she and this White House have found their commitment to free speech in America. The most prominent anti-Israel pro-Hamas <laughs> protest we've seen on campus just took place at Harvard University, where you had dozens of student groups signing this letter against Israel and in, in support of Hamas. A Harvard professor, Professor Kayem, I think her name is, at the Harvard Kennedy School, just came out in The Advocate, which is some LGBT LMNOP blog, and called me a stochastic terrorist because oh. in a speech I said that I don't believe in transgenderism and I think men and women are different and one can't become the other and we should stop entertaining this delusion. Uh, this professor at Harvard calls me a stochastic terrorist for saying that boys and girls are different. Meanwhile, Harvard is openly supporting actual terrorists who are committing actual egregious acts of terrorism in the United States uh, and, and in Israel with absolute impunity. Okay, so I wanna, I wanna connect these things because Neil deGrasse Tyson's inability to admit that men have physical advantage over women or at least play with this notion that we th should then pump people full of hormones and we should chop off genitals and have different categories and all of these things. This is directly connected 
to people at, say, The Advocate, an LGBT, LMNOP uh, magazine, as, as he put it. I'm pretty sure I was the first one to come up with that. I'm going to need some credit on that one. Uh, Knowles. Knowles, by the way, who is not an anti-gay bigot. He and his wife have had dinner at my house with David many times over the years. Like, it's just, it's just pure nonsense. There is a fundamental difference between saying, oh, we should not chop kids' genitals off and, you know, basic bigotry, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but the, the broader theme here is that higher education academics and their media cohorts like Neil deGrasse Tyson, they will lie about anything, biological reality, and anyone, Michael Knowles, just laying out the truth, as long as it satisfies their ideology. And then what happens is you get a bunch of kids who have been brainwashed, right? And it's a, we're seeing it right now, and TikTok has an awful lot to do with this too. We know that they're algorithms because it's Chinese spyware. You wanna figure out what's going on here? China has been pumping our kids full of the wrong ideas to basically blow apart the, the brains of a generation of our kids, right? So they're protesting in, in the name of things that would gladly impale them or behead them. Uh, and it infects everything, even, forget our Ivy League schools like Harvard, and Stanford, even places like Oxford, Oxford University, okay? So Ben Shapiro went to Oxford University last week. I saw him at the Jordan Peterson event in London the day after, and he debated an Oxford student about Israel and Hamas. And I'm gonna show you two, no, I think we have three clips of this, uh, because it's just, it's just so interesting watching what happens when your brain has been rotted with ideology. And I have some sympathy actually for these young people who have been put in this position. It's their, it's their parents and the system before them that failed them, that led them to this place. So you're gonna hear some of what these people have to say. And then listen to Ben honestly, clearly explain truth, reality, and history. Here's clip one. It's clearly unjust what the IDF has been doing to the Palestinians because there's a vast disparity between the number of Palestinians being killed and the number of Israelis. I mean, I would the certainly hope that Israel is killing more Hamas. This isn't members. a conflict. I've... This isn't a conflict. This is one-sided ethnic okay, cleansing. So, again, I'm just asking you, if based on the numbers, more Germans died than Brits in World War II, did that mean that British, the British were wrong in World War II? Because they did. Many more Germans died than Brits. Based I... on the numbers, does that mean that Britain was wrong in World War II? Britain wasn't bombing civilian, civilians. Oh. The people in Dresden were like, you should, you, should talk to, you should talk to the people in Dresden, but there's you can't because they're dead. Okay, so th this is just one example. I'm gonna show you a few things. Now, this girl does, simply does not know what she's talking about, but let's, let's unpack both of those things. First off, this, the secondary idea, which is that Britain didn't bomb, uh, you know, uh, that they didn't bomb places where civilians were killed. Like, of course, it's just complete nonsense. Uh, the first part, this again, this idea of proportionality, we showed you the video was a week and a half ago or so of Douglas Murray when he was on a British television show being asked about proportionality. The idea that, oh, they killed 1,500 of your men and women and they burnt people alive and raped them and all sorts of stuff. And then you should, what, what would be the proportional response to that? And the irony of proportion is when you have a terrorist organization dedicated to genocide and, and sowing chaos and killing as many people as possible, uh, you're not gonna believe this, but this is a symptom of the mind of, of Western, usually liberals, there are bad people out there. They don't play by rules. So one set of people have to play by no rules, use their own people as human shields and everything else. And then there's another, another set of people who are decent. Who, who don't want to kill innocent people, but what would be the proportional response? It's, it's just an absolutely profoundly insane thing. They killed 
1,500 of our people, and as Douglas Murray said in, in that video, it would be hard to find enough IDF soldiers to rape and kill innocent Palestinian women and children, right? So proportionality is completely ridiculous. You have a duty. There is an existential fight right now. There is an organization dedicated to the destruction of Israel. They have an existential fight, and they have to do what they have to do to survive. The idea of proportionality is completely insane. Again, was it proportional when we dropped two nukes on Japan? Probably not. Did it end the war? And now, flash forward 70 years later, is Japan one of our best allies? And is Japan a pretty sound, decent democracy? Yeah. Anyway, here's clip two of Ben at Oxford. Free Palestine. Which part? <laughs> it's a serious question. What, what is it? I mean, I saw you say from the river to the sea, so you can just say it out loud. Yeah, from the river to the sea. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I appreciate, I appreciate the idea that the Jewish state should be wiped completely off the map with a concomitant loss of life. But we're worried about climate change and the humanitarian aspects of climate change over the course of the next 100 years, sure. Okay. Again, in some weird respect, I sympathize with these kids whose brains have been so obliterated that with that girl, she doesn't know what she's doing. And she, there's a shame attached to it when she put the mic down and kind of looked down. And then she talks about River to the Sea because she doesn't know what she's saying. Like, and if she really thought about it, if they really thought about it, so is what you want to do is kill 8 million Jews in, in the Middle East? Uh, and you'd probably have to kill about 2 million Arab Israelis who are peacefully living there as well, some of whom are fighting in the army right now, and the Bedouins, and the, and the Christian Israelis, and everything else. They don't know what they are saying. And, and Ben, it's not easy. You know, as I gave Bill Maher credit, uh, the other day. Ben probably doesn't want me to say this, but I saw Ben the other day, I saw him a few days after that at the, at the Jordan event at the O2, and you know, emotions were running high, and I was thrilled to see when they brought Ben on stage, when Jordan, it was a surprise that Ben was there, and when, when Jordan brought Ben on stage, the applause, 20,000 people for Ben, Ben gets big applause you know, anywhere he goes, but there was a little something extra to the applause, because it wasn't just, oh, Ben Shapiro's here, it's like, he's kind of like the, the number one Jew at the moment, right? and he's the number one person fighting this stuff on the front lines, and there was an extra feeling in that room in London, which London's dealing with all sorts of craziness right now uh, about that, so that was very enlightening to see. But I know it's taking a toll on Ben, as it's taking a toll on everybody. I wanna show you one more, and this is directly related, related to history, and I think that's the point, right? If Again, if we don't know any of the basics of reality, then how are we ever going to know history or be able to apply it to our current day? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I listened to your whole bullshit history for like five minutes here. So at least let me respond to it. Your entire claim is that the Arabs did not reject peace, and then in your own disquisition, you admitted that the Arabs rejected the Peel Commission plan, which was a separation between the Jews and the Arabs, which gave an extraordinary amount of land to the Arabs. The Arabs then rejected the peace partition plan proposed by the United Nations in 1947. They then proceeded to reject the Oslo Accords in 93. After that, they rejected the Wai River Accords in 98. They rejected Ehud Barak's very generous offer in 2000. They rejected Hul Umert's, Umert's 
very generous offer in 2008. Every single peace deal that has been proposed by Israel or anyone else has been rejected by the Arabs for a very simple reason, which was the very first question I asked you. You do not accept that there should be a Jewish state anywhere in this region. So as long as that's the case, there's literally nothing to argue about. You cannot simultaneously maintain the position there should not be a Jewish state anywhere in the region and then tell me that I'm wrong when I say that the Arabs will not accept a two-state solution. You yourself say that there should not be a two-state solution. And that's kind of where we're at at the moment. The people out there that are protesting, and we're going to get to the White House protests in, in just a second. First, we're going to show you something from Obama, who has, uh, who is just, well, I'll hold that for just a moment. Um, the people that are out there protesting, it's either that they don't know, first off, they have no sense of the reality, right? A, a state known as Palestine never existed, who was the prime minister, who was the president, et cetera, et cetera. There was an area known as Palestine that was part of the British Empire. We've been through all of this, the Palestinian national soccer team founded by Jews, mostly Jews playing on it. The Palestine Post is now the Jerusalem Post. Once the state of Israel came to be, they didn't murder everybody at the newspaper. They were mostly Jews. Okay, fine, the Arab countries used to boycott Palestine because that's where the Jews live, blah, blah, blah. The point is that there have been repeated, repeated, this is fact, repeated offers by these, not first by the British, right? Peel Commission and the UN Partition Plan. Hey guys, we're getting out of here. Like our empire is basically up. You guys all want some land and you'll figure it out for yourselves. And the Arabs, because they were not Palestinians at the time, said no, launched a war lost. Then Ben went through the other options. One of the options, I forget whether it was the Ehud Omer one or, or the uh, Ehud Barak one, Arafat came back. I think it was the, the, uh, the Barak one because that was with Bill Clinton. Arafat, who was the leader of the PLO at the time, he came back and basically said, yes, he said to Bill Clinton, it's in his book, they're giving us everything. They're giving us 90 something percent, even in the spots that they're not happy, they're gonna do land swaps. They're giving us the whole damn thing. He said, I can't sign this thing. If I sign this thing, they'll kill me. So that's the position that we're in. Then the Israelis left Gaza altogether. They said, we have nobody to make peace with. We'll just have nothing to do with the place. And then they, they could have turned it into the Tel Aviv, just a little more south, the most beautiful beach on the Mediterranean, just like Tel Aviv is. And they turned it into a terror factory that was funded to the tune of billions with literally your tax dollars and, and a whole bunch more. So think about it. If these kids who are at the most elite academic institutions at the West, Harvard, well, we're told elite, they were elite, I guess at one point now, they're just brainwashing clone factories, but Harvard, Cambridge, Oxford, Yale, et cetera, et cetera, these places have become a absolute cesspool of left-wing radicalism, and then they have pushed students into voting for all of the wrong people and, in essence, destroying all of our institutions. So now that we're talking about destroying institutions and voting for the wrong people, here's a guy that I voted for twice, and I freaking regret it. May it be on my tombstone. That could be on my tombstone, not, you know, beloved husband, good father. He regretted voting for Obama twice. Here is University of Chicago uh, law student, uh, two-time president, Barack Obama, over the weekend. And uh, who's to blame for what's happening in the Middle East? Uh, well, it's you, actually. If there's any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something, it will require an admission of complexity and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas, that, that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the, the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians 
is, is unbearable. And you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some degree. Uh, no, you fraud. I'm not complicit. Connor, are you complicit in what's happening over there? Phoenix, complicit? Brock, you complicit in this thing? Oh, bro. <laughs> All right, Brock's a little complicit. Uh, no, Barack Obama is complicit. He's complicit because even right there, he is lying about the history. There is no occupation and there was no occupation, right? There simply was not. They can keep saying it. So what he's in essence saying is what Hamas did was bad. And he doesn't say but. It's interesting. And he's really clever with words. Normally they would say but. What Hamas did was, was horrific but. And then they give the excuse. But he doesn't use the word but. He says what Hamas did was horrific and we must look at the occupation. There is not one Jew living in Gaza. The most extreme right-wing Israeli four months ago did not want to go back into Gaza, did not want to get one Jew there. By the way, it's not working out that well for other minorities there as well. There is and was no occupation. Egypt also has a border. For some reason, Barack Obama is not too worried about what Egypt's doing. So when he says, he says, in essence, he's saying, we all have to look at ourselves. We And this it's just this lofty, self-righteous, Bullshit. You wanted to do something, Obama. You could have told the truth when you were president for eight years. You could have said, hey, instead of funding Hamas and the Palestinian Authority who are paying people to kill Jews and lying about the two-state solution and everything else, you could have said, hey, Hamas, the Israelis want nothing to do with you. Even right now, think about how insane it is. Everyone's saying that the, the Israelis are invading Gaza right now. How are they invading Gaza if they were occupying it before? Ah, because there was no occupation. So yes, they're invading it now with 1,500 dead people trying to find 200, uh, 200 hostages. But Obama, you're partly to blame. You are complicit. And my suspicion is any of the real pressure that's coming from, uh, from Democrats on Biden, who's been like sort of good on this, even though you don't know if it's Biden or not, it's coming from the radical Obama camp. And they are figuring out a way uh, to get rid of Biden. We'll talk more about that. Uh, later in the week. But anyway, you are complicit, Barack Obama, because you could have done something all those years. Instead of going after Israel, which you were doing constantly, you could have basically said to Hamas, hey, just just give up the death chance. I know it would be tough to, you know, you have a charter, but could you just let it go and not want to kill all the Jews and then build your state and everyone would have helped you do it. They would have had, they would have had the, the Tel Aviv or the Paris, or the London, or whatever city, the Bora Bora of Gaza, they could have done it, and people would have loved to have been there, because it also would have been kind of spitting in the Israelis' eyes, right? And they would have kind of dug that. But the problem is, when we have people like Barack Obama who lie about their involvement, they lie about the history and all of those things, you end up also getting a set of people in government who are not very good people. One of those not very good people is a woman by the name of Nejwa Ali, and it turns out that she is working at the Department of Homeland Security and she is a radical Palestinian activist. 
And it, you might be concerned in light of what's happening with the border and people calling to destroy Israel and destroy America, take over the West and the chance for the Muslim armies in London to take over that country. You might not want someone like this working in the Department of Homeland Security. So one politician who's actually pretty decent is Republican Josh Hawley. And there was a hearing on uh, this lady. Well, it was a hearing on the border largely. And uh, he got into it with uh, Alexander Alejandro, sorry, Alejandro Mayorkas, about uh, this radical Palestinian employee of the Department of Homeland Security. So let, let me ask you about people who say other things. What about people who say things like, on October the 7th, F Israel, I'm cleaning up the language here, F Israel, the government and its military, are you ready for your downfall? People who say things like, F Israel and any Jew who supports Israel. May your conscience haunt your dreams until your last breath. Palestine will be free one day. F apartheid Israel and is any Israeli. What, this is pretty extreme rhetoric, don't you think? Senator, um, I do, and I think there is a distinction between espousing or endorsing terrorist ideology and uh, speech uh, that is uh, odious, that does not rise to that um, level. Fair enough. This person works for you. This is Nuja Ali, an employee of the Department of Homeland Security, who posted these comments on October the 7th. That's not all she posted. This is a paraglider, a Hamas paraglider, depicted here with a machine gun flying into Israel. She posted it under her online alias with the celebratory Free Palestine. Mr. Secretary, what, what's going on here? Is this, is this typical of, of people who work at DHS? This is an asylum and immigration officer who is posting these, frankly, pro-genocidal slogans and images on the day that Israelis are being slaughtered in their beds. What have you done about this? Four things I'd like to say to you. Number one, your question to suggest that it, that is emblematic of the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security is despicable. Number I'm sorry, what have you, this person works for the Department of Homeland Security. Have you fired her? That was one of four answers. Have you fired her? I'm not even getting into the other three. How dare you ask me? How dare you besmirch the good name of the people of Department of Homeland Security just because some lady who put up a poster of a guy paragliding with a gun into Israel after they, it's just extraordinary. The other extraordinary thing, of course, is his eyebrows. Mayorkas's eyebrows. I want to do a whole, can we do a documentary about Mayorkas's eyebrows? We're going to go out on the road. I want to talk to eyebrow ex experts all over the world, find out what's going on there. Okay, it, it turns out that this woman has been promoted. No, just kidding. Uh, she, is, she is temporarily suspended, so at least they did something there. But even, I don't have to give you the other three answers that he gave. This, this righteous indignation, how dare you? say something bad about these people. We are in a real pickle of a bind in a thingy that's sinking because guys like Mayorkas are in charge of the border and it's a real problem. But let's move on because there are also people like Representative Pamela Jayapal and this woman is just terrible. Fortunately, you can see it on her face that she knows how terrible she is. Uh, here she is, I think this is from CNN, calling for a ceasefire. Now, I just want to preface this by saying she's not, nor has once, called for just Americans to be released. You might say the thing to do is just, oh, it's MSNBC, sorry. This is MSNBC with Jen Psaki 
a propagandist who used to work at the White House, who now works in mainstream corporate media. Uh, you might just say if you were an American, um, how about no preconditions, just release the Americans? To me, that seems like the American position that you might take. But Pramir Jayapal is actually a member of the Hamas caucus, and she wants to do it a little bit differently. When I call for a ceasefire, that means a stoppage immediately of Israel's bombing and attacks, uh, airstrikes, as well as the ground attacks, um, in order to make sure that we can get the hostages back and that we can get humanitarian aid into Gaza and that we have a plan for how to move forward. I don't think the question is about whether we should allow Israel to take out Hamas and whether all the international allies would be in favor of taking out Hamas. That is absolutely true. The question is how to do that. And there is increasing toll, both with civilians in in Gaza, uh, you know, violence in the West Bank. I do think that we need to recognize that this crisis is not going to end and Hamas is not going to be taken out unless there is a political situation that allows both Israelis and Palestinians to coexist with self-determination um, next to each other. And, and that is something that can't happen while Israel is continuing to bomb and kill innocent civilians in Gaza. I not to curse, I'm trying not to curse. I also don't want to break a Sharpie and ruin my shirt. There's so much evil doublespeak there. Again, just the basic, basic part is that the American position, if we had functional, decent people right now, would be you release the Americans. Let's put the Israelis aside for a moment. You release the Americans. Do we have any ability to put diplomatic pressure on anyone? Forget Hamas. How about their leaders in Qatar? Can we not put pressure on anybody? Why is she not demanding right now first? She's like, oh no, no, you need the, you need the ceasefire first so we can get the uh, hostages back. It's simply untrue. If Hamas right now made a call, somebody has a call, somebody has a phone over there, they still have electricity, uh, and just said, hey, we're releasing, we're releasing all the hostages right now, or even we're just releasing the Americans. You know damn well that the United States would force Israel to stop whether they wanted to or not. They would, there would be a pause, but they don't really want that. What they're upset by, and, and every single person, do not be mistaken about this, every single person who is demanding a ceasefire right now, the only reason they are demanding a ceasefire is because Israel, in essence, is winning right now. They've cut off northern Gaza, north to south. They have Gaza City in the middle. That's where they believe that the, the uh, hostages are, and they are slowly taking them out. And they are doing everything they can not to, uh, make, uh, not to kill innocent people, right? If they wanted to, they could end this in a day. They could carpet bomb the whole damn place and kill tons and tons of people. They wouldn't have to make calls, please leave the building. Uh, no other country would do this. Please leave the building. We're about to bomb because there's a terrorist beneath you and we know that. And telling everyone to go south, there's plenty of video now of a road that's opened up so people are walking south. But Jayapal, and the rest of the Hamas caucus, like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and AOC and a huge portion of the Democrats, they want Israel to lose. Do you think if Israel was losing right now, if there were just that, and by the way, anything can switch in a moment. There are still hundreds of rockets being shot into Israel. There could be any sort of uh, incursion through the water or through the fence or anything else. But do you think right now, if it was mostly Israelis dying, that any of the, do you think the people protesting at the White House or Jayapal or AOC, do you think they'd be calling for a ceasefire? No, they'd be saying, you're, you, they would be saying, uh, you people are getting exactly what you deserve. That's exactly what they were saying. So when they say ceasefire, a ceasefire is only a chance 
for Hamas to reload. If she wants coexistence, I think that was the word she said, which dare her even, that, that it even comes out of her mouth. There is one place in the Middle East that has coexistence, that has equal rights between Arab and Jew, and it's called Israel. It's the place you hate the most. But if you want to see the rot of the Democrat party, uh, it's not just the AOC, those easy Hamas caucus ones to go after. This rot is now, it's, it's sort of proliferating throughout the entire party that there really are no moderates anymore. So here's Democrat Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois, and he's thought of as more of a moderate, but what is he, he also wants a ceasefire. We can't have Israel actually winning the war and ending these people. Is a ceasefire needed now? I think it is, at least uh, under, uh, in the context of both sides agreeing. For example, the release of those who have been kidnapped should be part of this immediate release. Uh, that should be the beginning of it. Uh, an effort should be made to engage in conversation between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Let's face it, this has gone on for decades. Uh, whatever the rationale from the beginning, it has now reached an intolerable level. Uh, we need to have a resolution in the Middle East that gives some promise for the future. Have you told the president, the White House, you think it's time for a ceasefire? Because that is a word that the president is uh, intentionally not using. Well, I, believe me, what I said earlier about ceasefires under circumstances, for example, the release of those who have been kidnapped as part of it, uh, indication that this is a, a good faith effort on the part of the other side. Meaningless dribble. It's just meaningless dribble. He is a United States senator. He could say, hey, we have, I believe, 12 Americans hostage right now. Hamas, release them. Release them. Release them, or we're going to let Israel do whatever it wants, or we are going to get involved, or anything else. But no, Israel's starting to win. They're doing what they got to do to survive, which is exactly what this is all about. This is not whether the Palestinians can survive. Palestinians can survive if they just try to stop killing all the Jews. This is about whether Israel can survive. And when Israel's starting to get the upper hand, we better have a ceasefire. And unfortunately, as I said, this is proliferating throughout the Democrat party. Well, even the elderly man pretending to be President Joe Biden, who's sort of given the right statements so far, it sounds like he's waffling a little bit. Uh, we have a tweet from BPR. Uh, Biden appears to bow to leftists on Israel ceasefire. This is over the weekend. I think we need a pause. President Joe Biden has called for a humanitarian pause in the Israel-Hamas war, sparking anger from Israel's many staunch defenders. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but the idea that there would be a pause while they, they are still shooting rockets literally this second. There are still being rockets shot in. Imagine what America would do if 6,000 rockets were shot in from Canada right? We bomb Mexico. So they have no, um, they have no duty or it's not, it's not even a reason. They have no reason for a ceasefire and they have no duty. They have a moral obligation to their citizens who are living, to honor their citizens who were killed and to do something about those hostages. But again, if you have a whole bunch, a generation and I would say many generations at this point of people who have grown up through universities and an academic atmosphere where they don't know that good is good and bad is bad. They don't know anything about history as Ben tried to lay out to that girl. Or as, as Dick Durbin says, well, we have to give them hope. There has to be some sort of peace process. Jayapal, we need some sort of coexistence. Yes, one side is saying, we're going to kill all of you, right? And the other side saying, we would prefer not to all be killed. Some of you, unfortunately, are going to have to die. So we make sure that that doesn't happen to us. Like, it's just obvious. So anyway, what happened over the weekend? Well, there was an insurrection at the White House, here is the pro-Hamas rioters uh, 
climbing the fence of the White House and trying to get in. I thought this was an insurrection and we're going to have to do something about it, but I'm just going to keep pointing it out as long as this nonsense goes on. Again, if you don't care about Israel and you don't care about the Jews, okay, I think there's reasons that you should, uh, but you should care about yourself. And if you think these people will be done when they are done with Israel, just wait, just wait. Just ask the people of London and the people of Paris and Brussels and Amsterdam if they wish they had done something a little bit more when these people were coming into their countries and protesting the way they are. Do you think these people care about the First Amendment, the Second Amendment? Do you think they care about your free speech and your liberal values and everything else? And they're chanting, God is great in front of the White House. Do you think this is really just about Jews? Uh, no, it's actually about destroying our history. They wanna disconnect the Jewish people from the ancient land of Israel, just like they wanna disconnect America and our founding from this land here, which, which is a lot uh, a lot younger, right? Our history is a lot shorter than that ancient Israel place. Uh, and that's why they are also going after our monuments. Will anyone be arrested for this? I, I'd like to bet someone 25 cents that says no. Yeah, so they're desecrating our monuments. We've been through this all before, and just like it was all BS, it was all trumped up evil when it was BLM, that's exactly what it is right now. That was Ben Franklin being covered up right there, free Palestine. Look, we have video of all of these people, masks or not, all of these people would be easily identifiable and easily arrestable. We will not do anything, you guys know that. That's a far gone conclusion. This administration ain't gonna do jack shit about it. We know that, they kinda like it in a, in a bizarre way. Obama is not upset by any of this. He's looking at Biden, figuring out like his, Obama, you could tell, he's like, he's licking his lips right now. Like, mm, mm, we almost done with Biden. How are we gonna get in someone more radical? Gavin Newsom, hmm, let's see what we can figure out here. But the, the radicalism of these people is, is only out, uh, I would say, outpaced by the general stupidity. And now I'm gonna show you just some general stupidity. There is a singer, I guess, by the name of Macklemore. Macklemore? I, I don't know about this Macklemore. I, I don't know, do we know a song? Does anyone here know, I feel like you know a song by Macklemore. Do you know a song by? There, apparently Macklemore, something about being in a thrift shop in the third grade. I, I don't know about this Macklemore. Anyway, this Macklemore person showed up to the, uh, free Palestine rally. You know, I don't know about Macklemore. I like Frank Sinatra, I like Frankie Valley. I like, uh, who else do I like? I like that Tina Turner. Um, I would have, you know, the Tina Turner show was playing when I was in London, but I thought, can I go to a theater and see a Tina Turner play without getting beheaded? Which that, that's an odd thought that I never thought I was gonna have. Anyway, here's Macklemore, who's a great voice for Hamas at the uh, Jihad rally in DC. There are thousands of people here that are more qualified to speak on the issue 
of a free Palestine than myself. But I will say this. They told me to be quiet. They told me to do my research, to go back, that it's too complex to say something, right? To be silent in this moment. In the last three weeks, I've gone back and I've done some research and I'm teachable. I don't know enough, but I know enough that this is a genocide. I don't know what I'm talking about. I know nothing about the history. There are thousands of people standing right in front of me who'd be better qualified to talk about any of this, but kill all the Jews, mother... So what happened, guys? How did it come to this from the riots, the rot of our culture, the destruction of our history, and the, the complete patheticness of our political leaders? Well, it's actually fairly obvious if you've been... Paying attention, our nation was subverted a long time ago by a lot of bad actors like that George Soros guy and a lot of the people who decided we will just do the long march through the institutions. They committed demoralization of our nation through the marxification of our education system. I wish I had said that with a little more of a rhyme, like I was on MSNBC. But they've done it and it was intentional. Now, I want to show you a video. We've shown some clips of this guy over the years. Uh, this is a guy by the name of Yuri Bezmenov. He is a former Soviet KGB officer. He was a subversion expert. And in this video, and this is from about 40 years ago, he explains how the Marxists and the communists will take over, how they will use all of the freedoms of the West to take out the West. And you tell me if this kind of sounds on the money and if you're seeing it happen right now. Ideological subversion, that is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. Okay, we'll, we'll keep showing you more of that. I, I want it to be somewhat brief in that. He gets into all four of the versions, but demoralization so that all of the bad ideas, as he said, three generations of people will have been fed all of the wrong ideas, the ideas that are counter to America and counter to freedom and capitalism and our founding documents and all that. And you won't even know. 
You won't even know, as Douglas Murray says, the barbarians will be at the gate and we'll be debating what gender pronouns to call them. So these people who are protesting at the White House and screaming about genocide, they, they don't know actually that there is no genocide. There's an attempted genocide of the Jews, but there is no genocide of the Palestinians. The Palestinian population has 5X in 50 years. That's not how genocides work. Jews are generally thought of as pretty good with math. A lot of Jewish accountants, but they will not know what they are protesting. You will have demoralized people, perhaps by having girls having their teeth knocked out at lacrosse matches by boys, and then thinking that you have to plot it all the way around. You got it, you got what's going on here. But the other part, of course, that they will demoralize us is, is they will make you as, say, a white person, think that you are inherently guilty of something. And then they will push race into every one of our subjects in all of our schools, even things that have nothing to do with race like math and science. Check out this video of Virginia School District, which has created a new AP class called African American Studies. And uh, you're not gonna believe this one. It's actually gonna replace the math and science course, but well, go ahead. All right, let's get right to it. Here at South County High School in Lorton, these students are hard at work making masterpieces recreating sculptures like the ones you would see in ancient Western Africa. You have step shows, you have a lot of things to have cultural sensibilities. Talking so, about things like black joy and historically black colleges and universities. It's all part of the new AP African American Studies pilot class. My goal is to give them holistic history, as much information as possible, and then hopefully they'll take that information and make the world a better place. I felt like there was like a gap in my knowledge about African history, so I thought this class would be a great way to like deepen my knowledge. The class launched after months of drama nationwide. Black joy. I didn't know there was like joy that was different between the races. I, I thought joy was like a kind of human thing, happiness, love. I thought these were sort of, you know, they subverted the traditional lines we might think of. I think of black joy, yeah, I wish we had a video of George Jefferson dancing. Like that's to me black joy. And it's not that far from white joy, right? Like it's just not. But okay, you will teach kids AP classes that they will get college credit for in high school. They will, they will make sculptures so they can learn about black joy. I somehow think black joy might come at the expense of white freedom, we shall see. But now I just wanted to show you one more from a high school. This, this is really wild. This was going uh, viral over the weekend as well. Uh, this is from a national high school debate that took place on Zoom, and, and you, are, you might fall out of your chairs on this one if you just watch how they have broken national high school debates. These are supposed to be the brightest kids debating the most important things in a decent, honorable, respectful way, and just watch the way this thing devolves. They have a white debater on their team, which inherently means they have more whiteness than us. We obviously know that JJ is not white. It's pretty obvious. Go down onto our pick. We give you three words why we subsume all of their protests and affirm their protests. In a pick, what it means is you are furthering their cause just minus the whiteness. As Rebecca is a vehicle for this movement, we say whiteness means really bad for representation in queer people, and it's a bad form of furthering this protest. Whiteness is bad for queer people. I'm gonna, I, you know what, someone find me a gay white guy and I'm gonna find out what's what on that one. Um, the hysteria, the over-emotion, all of the stuff, right? And that poor girl, Rebecca, I'm with you, Rebecca. Can we send Rebecca something? Let's find, if anyone can get us in touch with Rebecca, like find out what Rebecca likes. I'll, I'll get Rebecca a little something for having to listen to that harping lunatic. 
Uh, but again, I have some sympathy for these young people because the entire system did it to them, right? So now, as we get towards the ending of the show, you know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try to give you an alternative. I'm gonna try to give you a forward positive vision. I'm gonna try to give you something that's robust and truthful and encouraging about the West and its founding. I think I can do it. And believe it or not, I'm gonna get it from a liberal. Let's go back to Bill Maher, who I think is, he's, I don't know that he'll ever vote the right way, but he's having his red pill moment. Let him have it, here he is. And finally, new rule for all the progressives and academics who refer to Israel as an outpost of Western civilization like it's a bad thing. Please note, Western civilization is what gave the world pretty much every goddamn liberal precept that liberals are supposed to adore. Individual liberty, scientific inquiry, rule of law, religious freedom, women's rights, human rights, democracy, trial by jury, freedom of speech. Please, somebody stop us before we enlighten again. <laughs> so that's what we're up against. And Bill's in that, that little sliver of liberals, let's say, who are still trying to do it. But if you care about any of those things, look, I get it. The, the, let's say, most radical Islamist and Marxist portion of those protesters, maybe they don't care about those things. They either want us to live in some caliphate or they want us, you know, the Marxists want us to all live under their thumb or something. But if you watching this right now, if you have a cousin that's confused about this stuff or a child who's confused about this or a parent or whatever, that's not really like a psychotic ideologue, like lunatic. You have a little window right now to, to de-brainwash these people. You gotta deprogram these people and you better do it quick or it will keep getting worse. Everything will keep getting worse. So we have to strengthen the people who are fighting it and, and we have to make sure that the people who are going down those roads know what the truth is. But, but I will tell you this, although as I say, I'm a world weary optimist, I mean, the chips are stacked against us. There's just simply no doubt, right? Generations, as Yuri Bezmenov talked about, generations of people have already been brainwashed. You have people trampling and, and uh, you know, def de desecrating the, the statues of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, who lived a very complex life at a difficult time to ultimately free the slaves and to write the founding documents that freed more people, minority or otherwise, than have ever been freed in the history of the world in this great United States. And they think he's the bad guy now. So you better stand up while you can, because uh, otherwise, frog, pot, it's getting warmer and it does not end well for the frog. Uh, guys, if you have not subscribed, please do at rumble.com slash Ruben Report. I should note that we are launching a second show today. How did I not mention that at the top of the show? That's right, uh, Monday through Thursday going forward on Rumble. It'll be on Rumble and on Locals. We are launching uh, People of the Internet. This is a show I've wanted to do for a long time where we get you guys involved. We're gonna take calls from you guys, we're gonna do video and audio calls from you guys, because I've often thought that as many times as I sit down with great enlightened thinkers and all these cool people and celebs and blah, 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 uh, that you guys actually have as much, if not more insight than them. So I have wanted to do a show like this for a long time. Rumble has just launched a new studio uh, that's gonna be our internal software we're running on this thing. So we're gonna be the first show that does this using the Rumble software. I'm psyched about that. My friend Isabel Brown, who's been on the show before that many of you guys know, uh, she's gonna be joining me as co-host. And the other thing that I've tasked her with, so there's gonna be two components to the show. It's gonna be calls from you guys. And I've said to Isabel, I want you to pick like three clips 
every morning. I don't want to see them in advance, not things that we did on the regular show, like the meat of the day on the, on the main Rubin Report, but just like other things about people of the internet, like what else is going on in the culture. I will see in real time. We will react. We'll take your calls. I'm super psyched. So if you want to join us for that, it'll be on our Locals channel. It'll be at rumble.com slash Rubin Report. We're doing that in conjunction with Tenet, which is a new online network that they help facilitate uh, some of this, which I'm psyched to be part of. I'll tell you all more about that later today, but that'll be 1 p.m. every Monday through Thursday. So if you're subscribed on Rumble, it's not gonna be on our YouTube channel. If you're subscribed on Rumble, you will get it right there. Uh, we leave you with a cold close of the elderly man pretending to be president, uh, kind of blaming somebody else for something that he himself is doing. Goodbye. The world has changed because what Trump has done. And the American people, including independents and some Republicans, know how bad he is, know how much he's misrepresented, know how he's getting close to getting us in a war. I said, as the walls close in on this man, I'm worried he's going to get us to war in Iran. Unfortunately, I may have been right. The fact of the matter is there's a lot at stake in this election. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.